Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 13 where we're going to talk about love languages. I cannot believe the response from all of you about this podcast. I have to tell you that like, I've told you this over and over and over and nobody believes me. I'll tell them, I'm like, I was so scared. I'm so scared every single time I sit down. You can't even tell. I would never have thought it. Guess what? It's very normal to be scared. Your brain wants to stop you at all costs. Your brain actually doesn't even like me. I don't take it personally though. I used to take it personally, but now I don't. Like I try to help someone lose weight and then they would just like run for the hills. I'm like, I understand. It's just your brain. Your brain's scared because if it loses the weight, then it has to face what's underneath the weight because the weight is never about the weight. It's always about what the weight is hiding and shielding or I'll help someone stop yelling at their kids and they're actually using their kids as a pawn to heal an old wound in current time. And then they stop yelling at their kids and they're like, wait, now I have to face all this stuff. The yelling's been hiding it. I'm like, I know it's not fun, but it's so worth it. Oh my goodness. Brooke calls it the river of misery between where you are now versus where you want to be is the river of misery. I'm just here to say that when you cross that river and you're on the other side, looking back, it is next level. Amazing. It's like, there are unicorns there. I'm not even kidding. Just because you're so proud of yourself that you actually crossed the river of misery. And I love the quote. I don't even know if it's a quote. I just heard Christy Krosner say this one time and it hit me like a lightning bolt. She said, when you always choose the hard path, life will start to feel very easy. When you're always choosing the easy path, life will always feel hard. Isn't that good? That's why I love, love, love the verse from the Bible. We can do our things through Christ who strengthens us. We say it all the time. We have signs all over our house because it's really true. It's like when I was running my marathon, I couldn't, I couldn't even run like a mile when I started, but after I ran a mile, then you build up, then you go two miles, then you go three miles, then you finish a freaking marathon. You're like, oh my goodness, that was amazing and so hard all at the same time. Because everyone wants life to be so easy. And what if we just wanted everything to be hard? What if we just went into it and said, this is going to be amazing because it's hard instead of always wanting the easy path? Because then we kind of teach our kids to do that and be these snowflake children like, oh, this math's too hard. And you're just like, oh, well, that's okay. Just don't do the math today because it's too hard. Like, no. We can do hard things. Of course it's hard. That's the only way your brain grows because your brain wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain and be efficient. So nothing has gone wrong when you don't want to look at that pain because you realize the pain isn't that painful. It's just a vibration going through your body. It's not that scary. It's like we draw this boogeyman and then Kyle C says, it's like we draw a picture of the boogeyman, this really scary picture and we hang it on our wall. And then that night we go to bed and we look at the picture and we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm so scared. We drew the picture. So it's literally controlling our thoughts. We control our life. But it's so much old programming and old conditioning and old thoughts that don't even belong to us. That's where the unconscious part pops in. And that's why I love living just a conscious life. So reading the reviews, like literally every day my brain says, do not record a podcast. 
I had a little cold and a cough this week. And my brain's like, see, your voice doesn't sound right. It has a little rasp. You don't want to do that. You don't need to record a podcast about love languages. And I'm like, you know what, brain? I see you. I hear you. See, a lot of times we want to stop the brain from thinking, I shouldn't think those thoughts. I shouldn't think those thoughts. And then we beat ourselves up for thinking those thoughts. And I'm like, no, bring them in. Have them have a cup of coffee with you. I have them come in my car and I'm like, I see you scary thoughts. I see you brain. I know you're trying to protect me. Thank you. If you could just go sit in the back seat now and buckle up, that's awesome. Because our thoughts and our heart are in the front seat. And the brain's like, having a little temper tantrum in the back. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Here you go. Here's your little nook. Here's your little pacifier. Because the primitive part of the brain, the amygdala is the lower part of the brain. And that's the brain that's always trying to do that. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. And then we have the prefrontal cortex, which is the higher part of our brain, which I believe is where the heart lives. And that's where there's that disconnect. But when you can marry the two and you can bring the amygdala on board with you versus like, I shouldn't be thinking this thoughts. I'm so negative. I'm so lazy. I'm such a procrastinator. No, 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 no. That's just the brain doing its job. Nothing has gone wrong. It happens to all of us. It happens to me every single time I sit down to do a podcast. Every single time I do a post that's vulnerable, every time I put myself out there, every time I meet with a client, every time I get up to work out, my brain says, this is a really bad idea. Please don't do this. Every single time I have to have a difficult conversation with a friend or with a loved one, the brain's like, don't do that. Just sweep it under the carpet. Just put it under the rug. But guess what? Nothing gets solved. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So your reviews and your emails and your likes, and your comments, and your shares, when you share this, it's like the ultimate compliment. Like, really? You're going to share this work with someone else? That's why I call it our our podcast. This does not belong to me. This podcast is nothing without you listening, sharing, and reviewing. And Mary Beth Richards, oh, she left the nicest comment. She said, I've known Kelly for years and had the privilege of teaching at the elementary school where she was the guidance counselor. She has a passion for children and the desire to teach parents how to be the best version of themselves so their children become happy, confident, and kind. This podcast is a must listen. It will change your life. Like what? I'm like, are those words written about me? And then I'm like, no ego. It has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with you. It's all about this work and the Holy Spirit's flowing through you and you're just getting out of the way. So Kelly, just settle down. Your little ego. So the ego works in both ways. Just like I can't take, if someone gives me a negative feedback, has nothing to do with me because I'm just the vessel in which this message is being passed. So if someone gives me a compliment, it actually has nothing to do with me either because I'm just learning how to get out of my own way and channel all of this knowledge and all of this work. And I just read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I mean a lot of books. And so I just pay it forward. That's all I do. Someone said to me, Molly, um, a listener, Molly. Hi, Molly. Her husband was listening and he goes, and she goes, have you listened to Kelly's podcast yet? And he said, you mean about the gas can, you know, a episode where I talk about why not to yell. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? And so I wrote Molly an email. I'm like, that's so sweet. You know? And she's like, I can't believe you're writing me back. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I'm actually here. I'm like, listen, listen, Linda, listen, do not put me on a pedestal. Do not put my kids on a pedestal. The only difference between me and you is either I'm a little further ahead or I've just read a few more books than you. That's the only difference. And so I'm kind of like on the other side of the river of misery. And I'm like, come on, it's okay. I'm throwing life preservers. I'm throwing rafts. I'm throwing um, logs so you can balance your way across. I'm like, it's safe. It's okay. 
vulnerability. It's a, it's the freedom land. I'm telling you. So thank you for your comments. That's, that was the long winded way of saying that. And I love them. And that's the only way that we can help more kids is if we comment, like, and share on the podcast within the app. I love the emails. Now copy and paste that into iTunes because then iTunes will be like, Hey, huh? They really like this podcast. I'm going to do more of it, which gives me the gas to my car, which is filled with fear at all times. But I'm just like, come on, fear. Let's go for a ride. So today we're talking about love languages. I'm going to tell you a really embarrassing story. I told Lily the story and she was like, wait, what you did? What? No. And I was like, yeah, I did. So when I was in sixth grade, which Lily is in sixth grade now, and if she did this, I would be like, wow, she, I, something's wrong. And I had a little boy in my middle school who wasn't little because he was a sixth grader. He wanted to be my boyfriend. He wanted to be my girl. Or he wanted me to be his girlfriend, whatever those. So I put him on note in my locker and he said, will you be my girlfriend? No, wait, will you be my boyfriend? <laughs> wait, what? I don't even know what he said. And so I checked the box. Yes. And then he gave me his phone number. So I called him that day. As soon as I got home, cause you have to remember in my family, love was like live, love, laugh was like all of our house. So we loved hard. We loved when we, when we left each other, we said goodbye. I love you. I love you. I love you. When we saw each other. Hi, I love you. I love you. When we hung up the phone, like all the things, all things were led with love in our home. So I'm on the phone with him first time. His name was PJ Verga and still is And PJ Verga. If you're out there, I'm really sorry this happened. I, we were hanging up the phone and I said, okay, goodbye, PJ. Oh, he told me his name stood for Peter Joseph. And then I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting married. He told me his deep, dark secret that his name stands for Peter Joseph. We have to find PJ Verga because this is like the best story ever. He still lives on in our family. Everyone in my family knows PJ Verga. It's now become like a situation. So I hung up the phone. I'm like, bye, PJ. I love you. And then he just says, okay, bye. And I was like, wait, what? I, wait, I was so confused. And it wasn't from an insecure place. It's like, I love so hard that like, don't you love that hard? That's so bizarre to me. Cause I love telling people that I love them. And I love when people tell me that they love me. feels good. Right? So I said, he didn't say it back. And he just said, okay, bye. So I was like, that's weird. So I sat there for a minute. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call him back because something clearly something went wrong. So I call him back. I'm like, hi PJ. This is Kelly. He's like, yeah. I go, I said, I love you when we hung up the phone and you didn't say it back. Was it because your mom was in the room and you were embarrassed? What did I do? And he's like, um, I got to go. Bye. I was like, huh, that's weird. Maybe his mom and dad were in the, in the room. It made no sense to me. And so we use that term in our home called PJ Virgo love, that needy, graspy, I need you to do something for me so I can feel a certain way. And the five love languages is such a great way to display how you feel and give love. So the five love languages are words of affirmation. So that'd be like compliments, quality time, and that's spending time together, obviously. Doing something or just sitting on the couch watching TV is very powerful for quality time. Receiving gifts. It could be a gift. It could be a, um, a sticker for a child. That's a gift for them. Something from the dollar store. Acts of service, like cleaning, home chores, doing something on a to-do list for someone else. That's acts of service. And physical touch. That's like hugs, pats on the back, sitting close to each other, holding hands. That's physical touch. Okay, here's the situation. This is where it's so powerful to know 
the people's love languages within your four walls, knowing their love languages. I know Lily's, I know Grady's, I know David's, and I know mine. And we all know each other's. So here's where the disconnect comes from. So there's a quiz. You can find out what your love language is. And it will really be powerful to know this because the way you give love is the way you feel love. However, the way other people in your family give love and feel love is usually different. Say what? So you're giving love and you think you're expressing your love, but it's disconnecting on the other end. And this book was written by Gary Chapman. He was a counselor for over 30 years in marriage and family. And he saw the same type of thing happening over and over and over in these couples. And they had five different buckets of love and they were putting deposits in the wrong buckets. And so these people loved and they're like, I'm loving so madly and I'm just not getting anything in return. And then the spouse would say, I'm loving so madly, but I'm not getting anything in return. And there was such a disconnect. They were so confused. And of course, everyone, they call it the honeymoon stage. Usually 18 months to the first two years of every relationship is that obsessive. I can't get enough. Love, 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 love. And during that time is so powerful. And then as the wedding happens, you get home from the honeymoon. You're like, wait a minute. What happened to that obsessive honeymoon love? It was so effortless. It was so natural. What happened? Well, what happens is we get comfortable in our relationships. And so we start loving in the way that we feel loved. And then we're not getting it back. So then we feel frustrated and annoyed. So then we put up walls. We're like, well, this doesn't feel good to be vulnerable and not have vulnerability meet me back. So I'm going to put up a wall. We might be pouting. We might be arguing about simple things, silly things. And so when you can get an alignment with knowing your spouse's love language, your children's love language, dogs, I think, have all five love languages, and knowing your love language, then it's that eureka moment like, oh, I just been filling in the wrong bucket. Because a lot of times we have manuals, which Brooke talks about all the time. We have agendas. We have lists of expectations that our spouse should meet, our children should meet, anyone who's living in our four walls or who lived in our four walls growing up. And the thing about manuals is no one follows them the way that they should. When I was unconscious, I, I, it feels so silly to say when I was unconscious, I felt like I was on a football field. I think I've used this analogy before and I was passing out all these playbooks. I'm like, all right, Grady, you do this. David, you do this. Lily, you do this. And I'm going to do this ready break. And every time the whistle was blown, no one did anything. There was flags on the play, fouls on the play, lots of penalties. And I was so frustrated all the time because no one follows your manual because your manual is based on the lens in which you see your life instead of the way they see their life. So they're doing their very best and you're doing your very best. Nothing's on the scoreboard. It's like, we're all disconnected and we're all messing and missing. And like, there's so many flags on the play and so many fouls. When you literally take the manual and you add it to the shredder, because the manual is just placed there out of fear of not being good enough. I just need you to do these things in the manual. So then I know that I'm good enough. I need you to fill me up in this way because I'm feeling empty in this bucket. And here's the thing. This is the best news I have for you. You get to fill up your own bucket and that is an act of self-love. And then here's the cool part. You know what your spouse and kids have to do to make you feel whole? Absolutely nothing. Say what? They are only there in your life 
to show love. That's all they need to do is be there so you can love them. That's their only job. Because when you express love, that's when you feel love. Because when I was expressing love to PJ, that felt very good. He was not expressing it back to me because he didn't feel it. Even though I was giving it, he wasn't giving it back because he didn't feel it. So we always put that all that emotional responsibility on our children and our spouse and who's ever living in our four walls because we think if they do this, then I will feel blank. If then, if then, it's a very conditional loving relationship. Is your mind just like blowing up? I hope so. Because this is the secret to the universe. Because the way I love David, he has to do nothing to receive it. I love him because I love him. Expressing love feels good on my part. I'm not doing it out of bitterness. I'm not doing it out of responsibility. I'm not doing it out of obligation. I'm doing it because I love him. Loving Lily feels good because it feels good to express love towards Lily. She has to do nothing to deserve it, to earn it. She doesn't have to behave in a certain way. There's no conditions to it because her as is, is, I don't even want to say good enough. It's more than good enough. Her throbbing spirit is beautiful, unblemished, and loving her feels good. And same goes for Grady and same goes for Maggie. It's kind of like our puppies. You know, they do things that I'm like, what? Really, Maggie? You're going to eat that tissue? Grady had a bloody nose and you're going to eat the tissue that he cleaned? Wait, what? My love doesn't change for him. I might be confused by why he would do that. She would do that. But the love doesn't turn on and off like a dimmer switch. Because my heart is so full of love because I love her so unconditionally. Just like I love David. Just like I love Lily. Just like I love Grady. And it doesn't mean you can't ever make requests of other people in your home and you're just a doormat. We're not talking about if you're with someone who's addicted to alcohol, abusing you, having affairs. Those are the three A's. Those are deal breakers. Those are things that are dealt with in therapy. I'm talking about if you just want more love and harmony within your four walls, find out their love language. Because it's like Mariah Carey singing a song. She actually feels joy when she's singing the song. Other people liking her music and giving her money for it is what happens organically because she loves expressing that love for music. So a lot of times I see a lot of couples, they are hiding behind the walls and they think that if they hide behind the walls that they're not going to get hurt there. Or they create a dynamic with the child that if I can just get them to do this, then I will unleash all this love on them. It doesn't work that way, my friend. That is not fair to the child. That is very conditional. I need you to get straight A's and then I will give you love and you will feel worthy and whole. I need you to hit the home run so then I will give you love and feel worthy and whole. No, 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 no. I'm trying to get everybody to sit in the stands. And so what happens in a family dynamic is the love languages are misfiring. And so I want you to find out what your love languages are of your loved ones so then you can fill their buckets appropriately so you're overwhelming their buckets with love. It's like a bank account. Every day, I think, how can I love David more in the way that he feels loved? So for example, I am words of affirmation. And this is this caused a lot of struggle for a lot of years. I'm words of affirmation. He's acts of service. So I like a lot of compliments from him. <laughs> I like him to say, you look nice. You're a great mom. This dinner's delicious. Thanks for cleaning up. Things like that. I just want, I just want a little, little, 
a note on my a note on my dashboard. That'd be fun. He's acts of service. He likes he likes if I do something for him, like empty the dishwasher. That fills up his bucket. That puts a that puts a deposit into his emotional love bucket tank. Mopping the floors means more to him than me saying, you look nice today. So what was happening is I was filling up his bucket every day. You look so nice. You're such a great father. You're such a great husband. I love you so much. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing that. And it was misfiring. It was like, it was a deposit, but it was kind of going over his head because it didn't mean as much as actually doing something. And so his love tank was on empty, even though I was pouring into it every single day and I was exhausted, but he didn't feel filled up. So then I remember having this huge argument over the recycle bin that was overflowing. It was like, as soon as you opened up the drawer, the recycle bin, it hit like it, there was like, it was, it was not overflowing, falling out, but it was ready to be pulled out. And he's like, you know, when I see this, I think there's a big glaring sign on that says, David, take care of this. And I'm going, what? are you talking about? How about saying thank you for the 17 things I did before that recycle bin that I happened to not get to? And what he was really saying, and I said, if we're arguing about the recycle bin, it's about something else. He's like, no, it really is just about the recycle bin. I'm not as deep as you think I am. I'm not that deep. I just don't know why this recycle bin is ready to be taken out and it's not taken out. And I'm like, he is the most selfless human being. I don't walk around the house thinking I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm out to get David because the, the recycle bin is overflowing. That's not like, that's not my wheelhouse. So I was so confused for so long. And what he was really saying is when I see this, because he's acts of service, so doing is really important to him. When he saw that, it was almost like he felt unloved in that moment. And so that's why he would say something. And then I'm words of affirmation. So then he's being critical, Carl. And he's saying, why didn't you, why is this not taken out? And I'm, then he's taking, he's taking withdrawal out of my bank account. And then I'm taking a withdrawal of his bank account by not taking care of the recycle bin. Do you see how that works? But every day I intentionally love him in the way that he feels, likes to feel loved with acts of service. So then when things like the recycle bin happen, he takes it out and doesn't, and it might take a withdrawal out, but there's so much abundance within the love tank that there's things to take from. It's not like depleting turns into a huge argument. So when you're arguing about petty things, it's usually because you're not making intentional deposits into their bank account that means the most to them. So it's almost like learning another language. Because for me, I'm like, really, what? But for them, it means everything. So I like to love David in the way that he likes to feel loved. So the same thing works for our kids. There's a love language quiz for kids. If you are a hugger, and a lover and a squeezer and a cuddler, if, if physical touch is your love language and you go to hug your child who's seven years old and they push you away, it is the ultimate slap in the face for someone who feels love through physical touch. But guess what? You don't have to take it that way because that child's love language might not be physical touch. It might be fifth on their list. So because it feels love for you, it doesn't mean that it feels love for them. So yes, you feel like you're expressing it, but it's not the way that they want to be loved. So when you know that the way that they want to be loved, then you can make deposits and deposits and deposits every single day, hundred times a day, over and over and over, because it feels good to love. Just like when you give money to charity, it feels good to give money to charity. Even if it's an anonymous donor 
or if you pay for someone behind you at Starbucks, that feels good. That is an expression of love. You're not looking for what can, what are you going to do for me? What have you done for me lately by Tina Turner is a song for a reason. When you are loving people and loving with intention and loving in the way that they want to feel loved, it feels good for you because it feels good to give to the charity. It feels good to pay for the person behind you. It feels good to love without expecting anything in return. So I gave my kids the quiz and both of them are like off the charts on quality time. So every day playing a board game with Grady, listening to Lily while she's telling a long story after school, like looking them in the eye, sitting on the couch and talking with them, driving them to school without electronics. Those are things that make so much deposits in a child's heart that it's overflowing. So then they feel filled up and they feel whole and they feel fulfilled. And then they're not so needy and graspy like I was with PJ Verga. So I call it the PJ Virgo love. If someone's adding, acting very needy and graspy, it's very much a turnoff for you. You're like, oh, it actually repels. So the needier the child is, it's more of a language to you that they need something to fill up their cup. Now, when they're little, they need almost all five all the time. But it's so worth it because it feels good to love them. Conversely, whatever your love language is, you need to fill up your own bucket first. So because I'm words of affirmation, I'm constantly listening to things that affirm me. I'm saying my affirmations. I'm writing letters to myself out of kindness, out of love, giving myself grace, expecting the B minus life. I'm always talking to myself more than I'm listening to myself. I'm telling myself you're a child of God. You're a miracle. You have one in 400 trillion chance of being on this planet because that feels good for me to love myself in that way. If your words of affirmation and you're beating yourself up all day, you're going to feel very depleted all day long. So then you have no emotional expectations for anyone else around you because you're doing the job on your own. And Gary Chapman says, unless you share the same primary love language, loving your significant other or children and theirs will not always come natural to you. The learning curve can be arduous and take work. Eventually you can become proficient in speaking your mate's love language or your children's, if he or she reciprocates by speaking your language, the two of you will keep emotional love alive in your marriage. This also works for children. Now, here's the thing. If you know your partner's love language, you can make deposits into your own love cup. I call it the love cup. I use it in the classroom all the time without them even knowing. So remember, we love without expecting anything in return. That's unconditional love. This is not tit for tat. You do this, then I'll do this. You do this, I'll do that. No, their worthiness and their wholeness is not a dimmer switch. It doesn't get to get turned on and off at your will. It is on full blast all day long because vulnerability breeds more vulnerability. No more hiding behind the walls because nothing fun happens behind the walls other than disconnect and it's like living with your roommate. And then your children will grow up and disconnect and live with their roommate. No bueno. So you want to keep that love alive between your spouse and love them in the way that they feel loved. And sometimes I'll do a marriage boot camp, and I'll say, okay, today we are going to text our spouse. And we're going to say, depending on their love language, like if they're words of affirmation, you're going to give them a compliment. If they're acts of service, you're going to say, how can I make your life easier? If, you, if they're physical touch, you're going to text them something along the lines of, I can't wait to get home and give you a big hug. If they're gifts, then you might say, I left a surprise on your bathroom mirror. And gifts doesn't always have to cost money. If they're quality time, you text them and say, I can't wait. Um, when you get home, do you want to go for a walk? 
So you're making deposits. So I'll have them text this to their spouse and nine out of 10 times the spouse will write back. It's like clockwork. What do you want? Did someone hack your phone? Is everything okay? Are you about to buy something big? That's what the spouse responds all the time, which is such good news because it shows that you haven't been making deposits into the right bank account. You've been loving. I was loving David in a very selfish way, the way that I felt loved. So I was throwing compliments at him. I was putting notes in his wallet. I was putting notes on his dashboard. I still do that because it feels good to love him, but I'm also doing more things in the acts of service bucket. So he feels loved. How can I make your life easier? What is something I can take off your to-do list? That means a lot more than a note on a dashboard for someone who's acts of service. And so if you have a child who's quality time, guess what they need? They need walks with you, going to subway together without your phone, driving in the car with the phone in the glove box, which I hope it's happening anyway. They need you to play a board game. They need more of you to make deposits because when they feel all that love and abundance, they're not so needy and graspy with you or with their friends or with their teacher or with their behavior. And what's cool is that if you know your partner's love language or your child's love language, you can see them making bids for connection. I like to call them bids. That's what Dr. Mann calls it, bids for connection. With if David's washing the car for me, then that is a deposit into my bank account because in my love cup, because I know that that's the way he shows love. So when he's doing things, when he's wiping down the counters, when he's emptying the dishwasher, I feel loved. It doesn't matter that it's not my love language. I feel loved because I know it's his love language and that's the way he's expressing it to me. Isn't that crazy? Or when Grady asks me to play a game, I know that that's his way of expressing love. He's not a big hugger and a kisser and a, and a complimenter. But when he asks me to play a board game, that's his way of saying, do you want to hang out with me? Because I feel loved when you hang out with me. Lily's the same way. When she says, I'm going to go, when I say, I want to go to Walgreens and I'd rather just go to Walgreens by myself. And she's in the other room. Can I go too? I'm like, you know what? You can go too. Let's go. Even though quality time is not, it's probably third or fourth on my love language list. And so you're going to have a primary and you're going to have a secondary. And so is everyone else. David's acts of service. Secondary is quality time. Lily's acts of service. I'm sorry. Lily is quality time. And our secondary is probably acts of service. And Grady, Grady's love language is quality time. Probably secondary is words of affirmation. Although he's been getting embarrassed. So that it does change with children, which is really good news. Because then you're just kind of like, you're always watching. And so if there's a small child, look to see how they give love. And then you know how they feel loved. Even if it's a small child and they can't take the quiz, you can still find this out. You can see it. If you have a really needy, clingy, always want to be touching you, always want to be hanging on your leg kind of kid, they're probably physical touch. And so when you're making deposits over and over and over, then they're not so needy and clingy and PJ Verga-ish on you. Just like if I'm spending a lot of time with the kids, they're not so needy and graspy because they're feeling stable and confident and fulfilled and full of love. So I'm going to put the quiz for your spouse and for yourself in the show notes. I'm going to put the quiz for children. They have them for teens and they have them for children. And you can either like with Grady, I just read the questions for him and then he chose A or B and then Lily took it herself. This is really good news to know because then you can love your loved ones within your four walls, the way that they want to feel loved and not in the way that you feel loved. 
because you are going to feel very exhausted because you're expressing and expressing and you have all these manuals and all this agenda. When you get rid of all of that and you just love them the way that they want to be loved because they're worthy and whole and valuable, that's when life gets super fun because then it's unconditional and they realize there's nothing I need to do to earn this love because I just have to be myself. And when they can be themselves and get that love like a, like a fire hose coming at them, then they feel fulfilled in their own life. And that's how you build confident children. And that's how you build a confident marriage and confidence within yourself because expressing love is how you feel loved. Has nothing to do with what your spouse does. Has nothing to do with what your children does. Has everything to do with the way that you feel loved towards yourself and then the way that you express it out like a fire hose. And you drop the manuals, you drop the agendas, you drop the to-dos, you drop the expectations, you sit in the stands of the football game and you just let it all play out the way it's supposed to and accept the as is. And there'll still be flags on the play. There'll still be fouls. There'll still be penalties. But I promise on a stack of Bibles, your scoreboard will definitely hit the triple digits. So I hope this helped. Please leave a comment, a review on the podcast to tell me that it's helping so I can have the gas to my car. And I love you guys. Thank you so much for filling up my love cup. And I continue to pay this forward and will for the rest of my life because I know I share this with you. It helps your children. And when it helps your children, it really, really fills my heart. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.